Hey, tell my be scientists out there. If you are currently a student in STEM or just care about STEM, our guest Janae Griffin is conducting a survey with Trish in Bellard Medicine. You'll hear more about it during the show, but get started now by going to diversityinspace.tech and enjoy the show. And thanks for being scientists with us. We back in the lab, we making some noise, so go turn your decibels up. Yeah. Black skin, white coat, oh no, who was nice as us? Made Jimmerson, really told us no limits, so we about to take this up. Went from mixing in the kitchen to the lab, and now, now I can make this up. Be side, be scientist, be side, be scientist. We shining a light on the people of color to show them how fly it is. Be side, be scientist, be side, be scientist. We back in the lab with white coats on our back, trying to show what time it is. And welcome back to the Be Scientist Podcast, a podcast by the Black Science Coalition Institute, or B-Side. My name is Jordan Chapman, and as always, say we have the dope chemist, Jana Carpenter. And today we are joined by our special guest, Janaea Griffin. And hey, Janaea, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are y'all? Doing good, doing good. So, Jana, you got a couple of things going on. Um, and it's kind of difficult to know where to start to kind of get you going on another rant for us again. Um, we were talking a little bit before the podcast, and um, um, Janae has a super um, inspiring goal um, of increasing diversity in um, in space, um, in space research specifically. So maybe we should just start there. So what kind of got you on that path? Ah, that's the backstory. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So I, okay. We're just going to go all the way back. Let's go right? all the way back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I graduated from uh, Grambling, from the Grambling State University. <laughs> um, and I got two bachelors, one in chemistry and the other in uh, criminal justice. So my oh, chemistry no. degree had a concentration in forensic science. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before, before I ended up going to Grambling, I actually um, apprenticed at NASA. So I wanted to, I swore up and down, I wanted to be a computer engineer. Um, really, it was like I wanted to be a computer tech because I like to fix things. I like to problem solve. And I ended up um, going to NASA and saying like, okay, well, computer techs don't make that much, but computer engineers, they make a lot of money. So let me go to NASA. I interned to uh, be a computer engineer. And when I got there, I was like, all y'all do is sit behind a computer and you code all day. And I don't want to do that. I want to talk to people. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so I was like, no, that's not what I want to do. Um, and I ended up going to crime scene investigation of all things because I ended up having this extracurricular activity after high school, which I would go to. And we did like CSI stuff. So Um, I went to Grambling. They had a criminal justice program. Um, That was my first major. And I was like, okay, great. My second semester there, I found out they had a chemistry, a forensic chemistry um, degree. And I was just like, oh, why didn't I know about this before? So um, I had already taken the first um, semester with criminal justice and I just lined them both up. So I was like, okay, I'll just get two degrees. So that's how I ended up getting two degrees. Now, when I graduated, ended up going to like a couple like crime scene investigation uh, departments at uh, police departments, sheriff departments, uh, loved it. But I was just like, eh, I don't know what it is. I still want to do something else. It's not like as impactful as I want it to be. Um, and I also didn't want to just be in a lab all day. Um, and I also didn't want to be on crime scenes looking at dead bodies all day. Cause Fair. that was yeah. horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> 
for sure. Because <laughs> they show you everything mm. as an intern. Like, they don't hold anything back. And I was like, yep, that's not for me. Um, no, I understand. So, <laughs> so I ended up my, the dean of my college ended up um, telling me, like, Janaea, you can't have a boss. And I said, Dr. Hubbard, I don't know whether to take that as a compliment <laughs> or, or I don't know what's going on here. And so he right. was like, there's this entrepreneurship program that I think you should, you know, go into. So I was like, okay. So it took STEM students from um, HBCUs and um, it flew us out to California and it taught us the business side of things. So I was able to speak the technical language, but then translate that into a value proposition that business people would be able to understand. So tech transfer, that's what it's called. Uh, once I figured that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. Um, so I left criminal justice and chemistry behind. <laughs> and I went full force into tech transfer. Um, I ended up working at a sheriff's department in their computer tech department, which was like full circle for me, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this was in between the time that I was like applying for jobs. So then NASA ended up calling me um, and then they hired me, right? So now I'm doing tech transfer. That was eight and a half years ago. So I was at NASA for eight and a half years. My last day was April 30th. I am now a full-time entrepreneur. So I do consulting around tech transfer um, with HBCUs to help them basically monetize their IP. I'm a big advocate for intellectual property. I've testified to Congress about diversity and patents and different things like that. So now we get into the whole like focus on diversity in space thing, right? So the eight and a half years that I was there, I was only focused on taking the inventions that NASA was coming up with and, and pushing them out to the commercial industry so that they could create commercial applications out of them. So I really wasn't focused on like the astronauts in space mm -hmm. or you know, the, the economics behind, you know, what goes on with getting like space contracts and stuff like that. Um, and then I got a contract with, a, uh, with Baylor College of Medicine. They have a program called TRISH, the Translational Research Institute for Space Health. So they were looking to essentially increase the applicants of color for their program, where they give out funding to people that want to do research around space. So things that NASA would be interested in that essentially come from non-traditional um, researchers or non-traditional PIs, principal investigators. And they say, hey, you might be working on something that NASA, you know, hasn't looked at or maybe that they're interested in and we want to fund that for you, right? And so what they found was like, hey, we want to increase the amount of applicants that are people of color. Jenea, can you help us with that? Right. So we came up with a survey because um, we were like, why don't we just ask them? <laughs> so we came up with a survey and um, and then we're interviewing people. So that survey was released on June 29th. It um, has been open for about a month now. It'll probably be open until like mid-August sometime around there. But we're trying to get as many people of color as possible who are in the STEM um, area to take this survey because we want to get the insights um, and the barriers that people of color are facing when it comes to getting funding um, for their research. And the focus with Trish is really on space health, 
right? But there are a lot of barriers that exist for people of color who are just doing research in general, especially um, when it comes to STEM fields or just any fields like that. You look at access to funding or access to capital. You look at mentorship. These are all of these are all of the barriers that we see across industries, right? So if you're a person of color, um, a lot of the barriers that you're facing, your counterparts are facing as well, in terms of you know the um, the type of research that you might be doing or the the access to some of the resources that you have. Um, so what we're trying to do with collaborating with Trish is to dismantle those barriers that exist. They are creating a diversity program where they want to make sure that those barriers are not included in the solicitations that they are putting out. And so a lot of the information that we receive in this survey will be given to them to inform the development of this solicitation. So we want to get as much insight as possible from the people who are affected the most, right? Mm. Which are Black people. (laughs) Um, But people of color in general, right? There are a lot of different, when we we talk about diversity, um, there's, you know, age, gender, um, race, you know, um, but where we see the most impact or the highest impact, um, the, the highest lack uh, right now is with um, African Americans, mm-hmm. and so they're they're doing their their initial focus is going to be on race and ethnicities, um, and then we're, and then they're going to move into other areas of diversity so that they can cover um, the gamut and increase diversity for all in space, specifically as it, in regards to space health for a better humanity. You know, <laughs> so. That really got me interested because I was like, my focus was not on space uh-huh. and in terms of astronauts and the health of astronauts and different things like that. It was just on the technologies that were being used within that industry and how we could put them in alternative industries for them to be um, leveraged. Uh, so now here I am. <laughs> right. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering, because, I mean, you have a really um, rich, like, history of kind of finding yourself and, like, knowing that where, where you know, like, you find that, okay, I'm not comfortable here. Let me find something else that I can do to make, you know, change where you want to see change. So was there yeah. a certain point where you knew, okay, I can no longer do this? Like, was there a specific moment or instance that you were like, what I'm saying is not help- helping the greater good, so... Now I need to become that advocate that I need. Yeah, I think that, you know, for me, it just, I I have a focus. And when I like want to solve a problem, like I put all my eggs kind of like in that basket. Um, And so, like I said, I was at NASA for nearly a decade and I was not focused on increasing diversity in space from this lens, right? Um, It was more so around getting um, Black-owned businesses or getting minority-owned businesses to license these technologies so that they can have like tech-based or tech-enabled companies from the economic standpoint. So, you know, after I did the research and I looked and I'm like, wow, this industry, it lacks diversity for sure. And then as I'm going back and I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, no, I haven't really seen, you know, it's kind of like the blinders were kind of like taking off. And so I was just like, wow, um, I have to do something about this. 
Like I just felt very compelled, right? Because I have been given um, the privilege to have access to certain information that a lot of people don't have access to. And so I, I take it on as a mission to say, okay, well, if I've been given this access, it's for a reason. And I need to make sure that I'm doing something with it. So, you know, I, you know, like to say, like, I spread the gospel <laughs> of tech transfer, right? And all the resources, the capabilities, the, the subject matter experts that people have access to that they don't necessarily think that they do. And even if they're being told, like, hey, you have access to these resources. If they don't see anybody that looks like them that is either gone through it or is delivering that message, then they don't think it's for them. Oh, no, 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 that's not for us. You know, and so I'm like, no, let me make sure that I'm showing up. I'm very intentional about, you know, representation and how that matters. And so I want to make sure that I'm delivering this information to you in a very authentic and genuine way. So I do all the the ebonics and the snap, you know, and all of that. <laughs> no, that's important. You know, because I don't want people to feel like I'm, I don't want to have to talk white. I'm talking how I'm talking. Right. We're like, because I talk proper, who says that that means that that is, you know, like, no. Mm-hmm. So I'm very, um, I'm very intentional about how I show up and how the, that information is delivered. Because again, they need somebody to relate to. They need somebody, some way that they can actually associate with the information that they're being given. So sometimes you have to break it down into a way in which they understand because of maybe some of the things that they're dealing with on a daily basis or some of the um, the problems that they see on a daily basis. Or, hey, you know, um, I also have a creative agency and it's powered by the incarcerated and formerly incarcerated. And so the first thing that we tell them is like, hey, you know, we don't want to change who you are. We just literally want to transfer the skills that you got, maybe like selling dope or (laughs) selling drugs. Like you're literally a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. You just don't, you just got an illegal product, right? right? So we want to take those (laughs) skills. We want you to use it towards something legal, right? right? If you can make a lot of money doing it with the illegal product, just imagine how much money you can make doing it with the legal product, right? It's all about the resume. It's the same thing. You got to get the the resume resume looking good. Hello? Yeah. Yeah. It's all about the description. You know, you got certain skill sets. Mm -hmm. You got, you know, um, I mean, it's the same thing. Even breaking down, like, instead of a, oh, you're a sanitation engineer. No, you're a janitor. <laughs> right? So how how do you make it make sense for folks where they're at, meeting them where they're at, um, and then talking to them in the language that they best understand? Now, that makes perfect sense. Um, but I'm sure, like, there are some challenges, too. I mean, you've already kind of touched on a lot of them. But, uh, and it's kind of a more personal question, but um, in... I'm, I'm going to guess at NASA and just in astronomy and space research and things like that, that like you've already been saying, like diversity for black people is, I'm going to guess low, but you're a woman. So I'm, um, how is that also impacting that too? Um, I would say that, and this, and this actually came up a lot too, right? Because I haven't really practiced in my fields. Like, so I was never like, the chemist in the lab after I graduated, 
right? My my experience as a scientist comes from, you know, going to class and then that was it, right? I did my internships and then after that, like I wasn't a professional, mm. right, in the field. It wasn't my professional career. And so I may not have experienced a lot of things, which I know that um, my sisters have, right? right. And so um, I hear the stories, but that was not my experience, okay. right? Um, and so for me, when Hidden Figures came out, mm-hmm. I had people that were like, oh, Janae, we want you to come speak, you know, because you're at NASA. And I'm like, yo, I'm not the one to go and talk <laughs> about that, right? Like, I didn't have the issues. I never faced that. And so one thing that I had to um, understand was because of them, that is why I don't have those issues, right? right. Um, now, it, that doesn't mean that those issues don't exist, mm-hmm. but the areas that I'm in, though I didn't have to face those issues because they kind of went through them before, right? Now, there are certain areas where you go into and they may be very like heavily male-dominated areas, um, white male, right? And so you have, and you're the only black woman there. And so th- there's a fight, right? There's a fight like no other. Um, I am a referee, high school basketball referee, right? Um, and I was the only woman at times, not the only black woman, just the only woman, like period. <laughs> right. And so being in a very heavy do- male dominated field, like it, it is very difficult. And I could say, you know, Hey, I understand how you feel, um, because I am in certain places. And sometimes there are certain things that are said that like, you know, if I was a bit more sensitive, like, or if I wanted to, like, I could, like, bring up a sexual harassment charge or whatever. And so I think um, as women and as Black women, right, now women, being a woman is, is, is different from being a Black woman. Like, those are two completely different things. Um, because as a woman, like, there's certain things that you have to deal with. But as a Black woman, like not all women face the same things that black women face. Say it louder. Um, <laughs> man, they just it, it, it's it's different. Like Malcolm X was not wrong. He was not wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think that I mean we see that now with the Olympics. We see that now yeah. with, you know, all of these things that are happening, even, you know, with some of the folks who whose research is is um is being pushed back on. Because, like, we want to bring up the topic of, you know, the the problems that our people are facing, right? So I've been in those areas where, you know, you have to, um, you, you continue to push at a topic or you continue to bring up diversity, equity, inclusion as it relates to Black people. And, and you get a lot of pushback, right? And so, like, it's a fight and it's tiring. And you get to a point where you're like, why, why, why me? Like, I just, why can't I just go in and sit down and shut up and not say anything about it and just let them go do what they're going to do? Like, I ain't got time for it. Exactly. But when you're the only person that's there, it is your responsibility to speak up for the voiceless, the people who are not in the rooms, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, black, black women are tired because we have to do it on a daily basis, not just for all black people, but specifically for black women. Because at times, even black women... Um, are being ridiculed from black men, right? It, yep. it, I mean, j- just to keep it real, right? To keep it 100. I think, you know, times are starting to change now. Like, you know, we're having a lot of allies, but it's very difficult. Um, and so 
that was one of the things that that I kind of like learned uh, when people were asking me to speak about hidden figures was just like, hey, you know, that that that's not my experience, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. So that was one of the things that, you know, I was able to communicate to folks and to say, like, you know, it's up to us. It takes a village. We have to advocate for the people who are not in the room. Right. Even even if it's not just for black people, if it's LGBTQ, if it's, you know, um, Latinos, if it's whoever it is, um, we tend to advocate for those people who are not being thought about, um, even if they don't advocate for us. <laughs> that no, that is fair. what I have seen in the past. So, that's fair. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I guess to kind of maybe bring it back to more of your background, what what kind of drove you to initially go into criminal justice and um, the forensic side of things? Well, at first I thought it was my, you know, um, okay, so the criminal justice part of it was like, hmm, crime scene investigation, they deal with criminals, so I just assumed that, like, criminal justice would be my, you know, my my way to get into that, right? Not really thinking about, like, the scientific part of it and how you <laughs> science back with crime scene investigation. You know, you see what you see on TV and you're like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Um, now, when I went through the program, um, it was called the Integrated Technology Transfer Network. One thing that they did was they helped us to identify what our passion was. And that was a game changer for me because I identified my passion as establishing connections. So whether that is problem solving, whether that is, you know, connecting the dots um, on coming up with strategies, whether that is connecting people, whether that is connecting with people, that is what I'm very passionate about. And I have found that whatever industry, wherever I go, as long as I'm able to do that, I can flourish and I can be successful and I can be happy doing what, whatever it, it may be, right? Even if it's not in an industry that I trained, it was, you know, trained in or whatever, I'm doing something that I'm very passionate about and something that I love. So the whole CSI criminal justice thing came in place because I like to solve problems. So that was that was just a way for me to once I figured out, I was like, OK, this makes sense now. Why do I like tech transfer? Because I can connect the dots on things that people wouldn't normally see, you know, and I'm doing that every day, but in a new way. And so I'm like, I love what I do. <laughs> I love what I do. I can use my backgrounds. I can use other things. I can do research. I can pull in all these different things to connect those dots. Then I get to connect with people. Right. I get to make connections in terms of finding alternative uses for those technologies. So that was a big win for me. So now um, what I'm doing in terms of what I'm when I'm working with Trish is I'm connecting Trish to um, I'm connecting Trish to people who are not traditionally in this space. Right. And then also connecting those people who are essentially my people to resources that they would have never known about in the first place. And so I'm building that bridge and building that gap for them. So again, I'm doing what I love. I'm doing what I'm passionate about, just finding a different way to, to do that. Yeah. And I guess that's why I, I wanted to mention or ask you about that, because um, I think a lot of us uh, kind of get in this pattern of not, knowing that we have a passion, but not sure how to approach it. And, you know, we kind of give up 
you know, halfway to our goals and things like that. And so I feel like hearing your story is really encouraging and honestly inspiring. And I hope whoever's listening has the same feeling of, oh, you know, I can like go into a field and learn who I am from it and continue to grow. So I just think that's really interesting. And I love that. It's really, really awesome. Yeah. One of the things that was really kind of like concrete for me um, in terms of what I found out was that I had to figure out who I was not in order to figure out who I was. (laughs) And I was just like, you know, I had to try so many different things, but I was okay with that. Like, I it like I did the CSI thing, then I interned at NASA, then I interned at a sheriff's department, and then I interned in computer tech at another sheriff's department. Like there's so many different things that I tried and I was just like, nope, don't like that. Nope, don't like that. That that points me over here. But I was willing to do that, right? And I think that's where um you can flourish the most is if you fail and fail often. And fail fast, right? And fail forward. Um, and fail forward, right, right. right? And so, you know, I think for me, I learned to start treating like jobs and different things that, that I wanted to do as internships. Even if I was like, okay, NASA, that was an internship, right? To get me to where I actually wanted to be. Like I was talking to my sorority sister and um, she was, I forget what we were talking about, but I ended up telling her like, yeah, NASA is a stepping stone. And she was like, did you just say NASA is a stepping stone? And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, because I don't plan on being here forever. Like, this is not the end all be all. You know, I've been here a little bit longer than I felt like I should have. But, you know, I've learned that, you know, um, I've learned when to leave, right? Mm -hmm. Like if, if I begin to serve, that thing or that job and it is no longer serving me then it's time for me to go if it's not serving me then I don't need to be there and so um that's that's how I'm able to kind of figure out like okay what's next for me am I still is it still serving me is it still like in alignment with what I need to do um or where I'm going you know I don't know when I'm gonna get there I might be there already (laughs) right um, and then once I re- once I reach that destination, there's still more. Like there's still more. What's next? This lady, right? This lady first. She said NASA's a stepping stone, and I, <laughs> and I'm, yeah. And in my in my head, I'm just trying to think about like the analogy. I'm just trying to think of an analogy today. And like, the only I think one that we comes have to, like the title the, of this episode now. Yeah, like, that NASA's was iconic. Just, <laughs> just like I'm just trying to think like if NASA's a, like she, what, what you just basically said was like they reaching for the stars, and I'm not even looking at the stars. in my my head i'm just trying to like i'm really putting that together like this lady was like you know no 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 no. i don't care about them i'm going further than that that is that's that is crazy that's wild that's that's super inspiring thank you (laughs) i mean we have to you know um i think the biggest thing that we tend to lose it that people have stripped from us is our ability to dream Right. And and to dream big because, you know, we're so focused on surviving, especially as black people in America. Right. We're so focused on surviving, on making sure we're not, you know, stepping on somebody's toes or making somebody mad or, you know, we don't want to anger this person over here. Like we're, we're so focused on just surviving that we forget to live. 
right? And so I'm like, no, nah, I'm gonna live. Right. I'm gonna live. I wanna love what I do, right? Because if I love what I do, I'll never have to work. In in, re- in real life, like I'm loving what I do, right? I love to talk to people. I love to make connections. I love to make an impact, right? I am loving what I loved what I did when I was at NASA. I'm still doing it. I actually did it for free. When they say like, find what you would do for free and then do that for the rest of your life. I'm actually doing that because this is a part of the story I didn't tell you was before I got the job at NASA, right? I was applying to so many different positions on trying to get into tech transfer. And I was like, nope, nope, nope. You need three years of experience. And I'm like, you know, there's always the chicken and the egg. Yeah. Well, what? Who comes first? Like, I went to I went to school for this, and then like I need experience just to get into it. Like, it it was a lot. So for me, I was just like, okay, well, I could say that I have three years. I could say I have like two years of experience, mm-hmm. right? Like, just but I can't say that I have three, right? Yeah. Um, but theoretically, I have gone through everything, right? Now it's the app. The application of that, like, oh, are you familiar with or have you been introduced to X, Y, and Z, right? And I can't say like, oh, no, I haven't, right? I I can't, um, or yes, I have. I can't say that. And so what I did was I found a company, I found a contractor that was in the tech transfer space. And I was like, hey, my guy, I will work for you for free. I just want to learn about X, Y, and Z, right? And so I, I literally wasn't there for that long, maybe a month or two or something. But I was just like, okay, what is this? What is this? What is this? What is this? Okay. All right. That's how you, okay, great. Boom. I got three years of experience. Yes. I, um, <laughs> I actually have, uh, I am familiar with that type of contract, right? Nice. I am familiar with, you know, and so when they hired me, they knew that I was very, um, very entry level. I got hired for a senior level position, literally. And they tailored the resume to my, they tailored the, um, the responsibilities to my, the job requirements to my resume. And so after that, I was just like, Oh, okay. This is how this works. Great. So I was like, Oh, I'm only going to be here maybe two or three years, get some corporate experience, right? Eight and a half years later. still there but while i was there i was able to um become an executive board member at a at the federal laboratory consortium um and so i was a member at large for like four years and while i was there i was like okay i was the only black person Mm -hmm. not woman the only black person i think i was the youngest but i don't know because you know black don't crack so uh (laughs) um but when uh, when I was there, you know, I was just like, okay, after the first year, I'm like, what do I do? Like, I'm just here. Like, no, no, I'm going to use, I'm going to figure something out. So I created an ad hoc committee that was focused on increasing minority-owned business engagement with federal labs. They flew me to all different type of conferences so I could talk about the resources um, because I knew that, hey, you know, I went to this one conference and everybody was coming up like, what's that transfer? Mm-hmm. White, black, Asian, like all that. What's tech transfer? Oh, we didn't know that. Isn't NASA like privately funded now? And I was like, no. Like, where, where are you getting this information? And this was like, this was like in 2012, right? This was years ago. Right, right. Um, and so 
I was just like, yeah, no, if you guys don't know what tech transfer is, then I know my people don't know what tech transfer mm-hmm. is. And so that's when I said, I, I made it my mission. Like, all right, now I'm going to go around and I'm going to spread, I'm going to spread the gospel, right? right? <laughs> like you have the same access to all of these resources, subject matter, experts, facilities, funding, all of this, that the same people that created memory foam mattresses, the same people that created the iPhone, Siri, like all of these things, baby formula, the cheap flat iron, like GoPro, the camera, your phone, like all of that. We we have the same access, right? And this is how you do it. And if you need help, here's my email address and my phone number, call me. <laughs> right. So I was very intentional about making sure that because I was privileged enough to have the opportunity to have access to that information that I shared it. Mm-hmm. And now um, you're so, kind of trying yeah. to do that a little bit more, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So again, more resources that I didn't know anything about the um, Translational Research Institute for Space Health. I said, you guys do what? Mm-hmm. For who? <laughs> like space health? Like, you know, or health in space. Like I was confused. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, I didn't understand. And so when she told me, I was just like, oh, wow. Like, well, I don't think anybody knows about you guys. <laughs> but right. Let's change that. Right. Um, you guys are giving away money. Oh, that's, oh yes. Okay. My people need money. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> exactly. We need money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just doing the research, just finding out like it's a bigger gap then we realized, you know, um, that you would actually think about. Um, and if you're only focusing on um, people going to space as astronauts, mm-hmm. then, you know, you're missing a whole nother uh, gap that exists when it comes to um, Black-owned businesses or minority-owned businesses getting space contracts or getting contracts for the space industry. So that's not just um, satellites and, you know, drones and, um, you know, the vehicles that they're flying right now, the rockets and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like there's a huge gap that exists for those types of companies, um, that are not people of color. So, I mean, that are people of color. And so, um, you know, how do we, how do we close that gap? Like, how do we get them the access to that type of research? But then when we start talking about space health, that's a whole nother thing because you're talking about actually sending people to space and while they're in space, um, figuring out how the effects of space are going to impact them. Mm -hmm. Now, if we're only sending white people to space, Mm -hmm. we don't know the impacts that are, that black people are going to have. Right. Um, I was reading something about how they're now harvesting melanin from um, plants that were found in Chernobyl because uh, the melanin that comes out of those plants is far more superior in protecting people from radiation, right? And so mm. I was just like, okay. Um, I need to... Now that's different, right? right? And so... You know, what are other studies that are going on that would affect black people? Because you start talking about melanin and harvesting melanin, like I'm gonna look at you crazy <laughs> if you don't correct, if you don't, you know, yeah. give me context to what you're doing. That, makes, that definitely needs context for sure. <laughs> I'm gonna look at you crazy. So, you know, I think there are a lot of um issues 
that uh, black people are facing, that people of color are facing, that only they would know how to solve or that only they would pick up to do research on. And that's important, right? Because if, if we don't have black people or we don't have people of color who are part of not just the discussion and the conversation, but a part of the solutions, then we're going to be on another planet begging for diversity, equity, and inclusion all over again. Yeah. <laughs> like we are. And, you know, we're going to, why, why can't, why isn't there anything that's for black people? Well, there should be research that is being done. So if you're looking at, you know, cancer research, if you're looking at, um, how um, brain imaging, if you're looking at mental health, right, it's going to affect people differently from all walks of life. And so we need representation from everyone, right? Different ages, um, different genders, obviously, um, different races. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important. And I think, you know, Trish is really um, being intentional about making sure that they are asking those questions, not to just one group, right? But to everybody, to every demographic. How can we help you? How can we make sure that um, there are not barriers that are um, um, integrated within our solicitations, right? Um, And so these are some of the things that they're saying to me and saying like, okay, like how do we make sure that we're communicating this and we're making sure that we're providing support in a way where um, people can be successful? Right. So I didn't definitely, I really like what you said about um, that there are certain research questions that wouldn't even be asked if not for specific people or from different backgrounds um, asking those questions. And especially when it comes to black people, because I know for me, um, my dissertation research is focused on um, what are the essentially the geochemical impacts of slavery and versus the geochemical mm. impacts um, of previous Native American occupation. So, and as far as I know, no one's really asked that question that way. Um, and there's not even a lot of research, which makes it real difficult sometimes to even figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. So I definitely 100% agree with you on that, that, that I don't think anyone would ask that type of question if not for someone like me coming along who had some of those skill sets coming in and tried to, it was hoping to improve them. So I 100% agree in that. And then I wanted to get back to kind of what you were saying about these um, new technologies in space. Um, I know from um, some of our other conversations, like before we started recording today, that you were saying that you um, have been thinking about hosting a panel slash think tank um, and also creating like almost like another, like a black and X type of thing. Um, so can we talk about the panel first? Cause I know that's happening on Friday and then some of your ideas for other stuff. Yeah, so the panel is really a a complementary to the survey instrument and the interview. Um, We want to really understand what those barriers are. And, you know, we can get people to fill out the survey um, and we can get them to interview. But, I mean, you know, if we can get people to talk about together collaboratively what some of those solutions are, then some of those recommendations can also be passed off passed off to Trish uh, so that they can implement them right away, right? Um, and so I think that is the, the gist of 
um, having the event, right, outside of us just really coming together to have a conversation about why this is important, um, what are some of the things, who are some of the players, what are some of the resources, even outside of Trish, like what are other resources that exist within um, the space industry or within space health um, or just research funding in general, right? What are other institutions or agencies like Trish? Where are they? Who are they? How do we get in contact with them, right? Besides, what does their application process look like? Yeah, where are these resources at? You know, um, because again, it's not always about having the access. Sometimes you even have to know where to go. You don't know what you don't know. So you can say, oh, well, Google is, you know, endless. But if I don't know what to search for on Google, like I'm not going to get to where I need to go. Like I have to put in a destination <laughs> in order to get there, right? Yeah, for so sure. So if I don't know what destination to put in or if I don't even know what street it's on, I don't even know you know, any type of information about it, your keywords, any of that. I don't, I don't know what I'm looking for. I don't even know how to get there. And so I think that there has to be that layer of transparency that exists to where, you know, a lot of this information that I wouldn't say is hidden, but it's hidden. (laughs) You know, it might not be hidden on purpose, but it could be hidden on purpose, right? Almost intentionally out of reach. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, it's a lot of systemic things that have been put in place um, that really stop us from getting the information that we need or getting access to the information that we need, including the people that we need to get access to. Because having your network in the proximity to the type of people or the organizations or the institutions that you are around is very um, important. Because if I live next to a NASA center, then I know more about NASA. I know that, hey, there's a, I know what NASA is. I know, you know, where it's at, you know, at least the the basics, right? Um, Some people maybe have never even heard of NASA, right? Um, And that's crazy. (laughs) Or maybe they think that NASA is just so like, NASA was a, a long time ago. Like now we just have Elon Musk and the private industry is taking over space. Right. Right. Not knowing that Elon Musk gets all his mm-hmm. all his money from the government. Mm-hmm. Right. Which well, we see that in the in the news now. Jeff Bezos got pushed out. They got nah, you you can't you can't win this contract, right? So um understanding that, you know, commercialization has been a thing forever, right? And leveraging those resources, leveraging those opportunities is where um, we tend to fall short because we don't know about them. We don't know how to get access to them. Even if we see them, we don't think that it's for us, right? You hit, oh, oh, that's for, that's for white folks. That ain't for, no, it, especially if you start talking about mental health. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got a therapist? That's white people stuff. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a thing. It's not. That is definitely a mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> um, so really breaking down some of those stigmas, right? Uh, especially for our people, because it's not just on other people, right? Some of the systems that have been put in place um, have really gotten us stuck in a space where we can't even come out of, even when the, the door is open. You, you won't walk out, right? You can, th- there, there is a fence, but there is not a fence, right? <laughs> So really just understanding that and um, 
and how we can how we can do our part by bringing this information to people, by finding out what those barriers are, and by holding these organizations accountable to make sure that they are supporting us, make sure that they are supporting historically excluded communities, um, that they're doing their part, that they're a part of the village that is going to dismantle all these barriers that may have been put in by their ancestors. And they didn't have no, like, uh, you know, they didn't have no role to play in that, but they are continuing to um, keep it up by not dismantling it, right? So how can we get them to start doing that? Yes, 100% agree. Um, there's a lot of things that you just said that I'm just trying to put, like, put together in my head and like try to figure out the next thing I ask you, because we've covered a lot, honestly. We've, we've gone from criminal justice I thought we were going to stop at the stars, but you were like, nah, we don't, we, we not just stopping, <laughs> just right past them, Jenna. <laughs> so, I mean, so when we talk about black owned in space, then, um, and cause I really like that. I know, like I said, in the previous conversation, we talked about that and you said that every aspect, um, of almost life is is going to have to be converted to something that is going to be done in space. Yeah. And not really, I mean, I, I guess you kind of think about that in the back of your mind, but really you hearing you say that was like, wow, that's, that's kind of impactful to think that like, that's a huge industry where that black people could definitely exploit. And we've already have in some ways, there are definitely like, I think like, um, for example, GPS, I forget her name right now, but I know that was like, but definitely pioneered by a black woman. There are just a couple of different technologies that were. So just how, but so when we talk about that, diversity and like the mechanisms to do that to hold them institutions accountable how do we how do we hold those institutions accountable um <clears throat> well one it is the people who are already um integrated within those institutions that have to take responsibility right because um they are and sometimes it's difficult right because these your bosses like this is how you make your money <laughs> You don't want to ruffle no feathers, right? Um, and and so sometimes you can, you know, have an external person come in and, you know, they'll look at your organization, but they won't really, really know, like, what is happening unless the people who are embedded within that organization are speaking up, right? Unless they are saying, like, hey, this is not right. Or, hey, this is right, right? And these are the things that I really like. And these are the things that I think can be improved upon, right? So it really takes the people who are already ingrained within those institutions to take that responsibility and stand up and vocalize what's going on. Because people from the outside don't know what's going on, right? We can look in and be like, okay, well, I mean, it seems okay. Um, they seem to have you know, done X, Y, and Z, but, but maybe it's their microaggressions, right? Maybe it's the small things that are happening. Like, um, you know, one day you go to work and you got an Afro and, and you get cut out a picture of an award you're supposed to get, you know, I'm just, it's just certain things that happen. Right. And, um, and to you, to, to everybody else, it's just like, oh, we just forgot to include you. We, we cropped it. Our bad. Right. But really, no, you like, is it because I'm black and I had an afro? Like, so these are, <laughs> you know, and so you have to ask these questions. You got to press people mm -hmm. about this to make sure like, okay, I need to validate or invalidate what just happened, 
because um, if you don't, then it's just going to keep happening. And you're just going to have to keep sweeping stuff up under the rug. And then you're going to get upset because it's going to be <laughs> going to bottle up. And uh, then when it releases, it's not going to be pretty. Right. And so how do we stop that from happening? Right. right? Um, holding people, holding organizations accountable looks like um, speaking up. It looks like pushing back. It looks like sending emails and seeing everybody at the top and not caring. Right. Mm-hmm. It looks like there. having very, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like having very difficult conversations with your leadership when you are not happy. When George Floyd happened and all of that, when he was murdered and and nobody said anything, nobody said anything. We we just got on the call the next the next day or over the weekend when Monday came, we got on the call like everything was okay. No, everything is not okay. And y'all need to understand this. When COVID happened, right? When COVID happened, you were calling. Are you okay? How you doing? I know this is a rough time. You need to call all your black people. Ask them if they're okay. You don't have to be on on one side or another, but they're human, right? They're a part of your team. They're family. Ask them how they're doing. Do they need anything? Can you be there to support them, right? And if they don't do this, speak up about that, right? So that's how we hold people accountable. Ask them, what are they doing to make sure that um, we're going to dismantle racism or we're not going to allow systemic oppression to come in and using those words verbatim, right? We can't sugarcoat things anymore. We can't say like, oh, well, there's implicit bias and unconscious bias. No, it is systemic racism. <laughs> systemic oppression. Like, how how are we making sure that this is not happening within our organization? And if it is, how are we stopping it? What are the actionable items? Where are the metrics? Where's the data? Why don't we have people from HBCUs? Right. How can you get, uh, can I get a budget so that we can get people? Mm-hmm. Don't allow them to just be performative, right? And, and say like, oh, we're going to put your black face on here. and We're going to put out a press release and we're going to say, hey, we got a black person that's helping us lead and connect with HBCUs or connect with the black community. Mm-hmm. And do I get a budget? <laughs> that's my first question. Okay. Do I get a budget? Because we don't need the performative stuff, right? We need money. We need access to capital. We need access to capacity, right? So really pushing back on that and not being afraid of that. Mm-hmm. That's all good stuff. I mean, that was a pep talk I needed. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> I'm about to go talk to my like, <laughs> dean of, of the grad school tomorrow. Yeah, we can like... do it both. Jen. We can both go talk to <laughs> Me and Jenna are both at UGA, so we can definitely do that right now. <laughs> I mean, I think it just, I think I've been more intentional about just showing up and showing up as my authentic self every single day. So, you know, when something happens, like, it's not a like, oh my gosh, Janet, we didn't expect this from you. No, you knew this was coming. <laughs> like, you knew this was coming. Yeah, so, I knew I was going to snap. You know, <laughs> I already knew. Have everything already laid out. Like, there should be no reason why you're presenting this to me, knowing what you know about me, mm-hmm, right? And mm-hmm. what I stand for and what I believe in and all these different things. So, um, but I think people are very open and receptive to it when uh, we don't have to be angry, right? And I think that that's an angry Black woman or an angry Black person that they put on us um, because it, it, it becomes dismissive of how we feel, 
right? Um, and and don't try to dismiss our feelings. Our feelings are very valid. Um, and as a team member, you should be listening, right? Because I'm going to listen to you when when you had issues with with you know Bobby at the the water hole or whatever. Like I listened. <laughs> Had a whole meeting about okay. it. Your whole meeting Everybody about it. Everybody in the lab is right? there. You know? Yeah. I have like you cried on my shoulder. <laughs> I got you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was not right. That was not right. And I'm gonna stand up for you. Right. You know, so <laughs> I think you know we have to you you have to hold the allies accountable. You wanna be an ally, this is what it's gonna take. Mm-hmm. You know, I need you to back me when I when I go and I ask for, you know, if we have speakers or something like that. Um how how many black speakers will there be? How many people of color will be represented? You need to be asking these questions. Um, and even when I'm not in the meeting and you know that I need to be in the meeting, but I can't be, I need you, I need you to be my voice. I need you to ask those questions. Um, that is what an ally looks like, right? Mm. I don't even know how we got onto this, but <laughs> that's a great question. I don't know. It's actually. all relevant. <laughs> it's all relevant though, right? <laughs> um you know that's that's what that's what it looks like. It's not performative action. It's not a lip service. Mm-hmm. It's making sure that these things are done. And I've just been very intentional about even you know when I get people that reach out to me, um, that want me to be a judge or want me to speak or something like that. Like, oh great, I would love to. This is this sounds like a great opportunity. Um, what is your representation of people of color on this in this conference or on this panel? Mm-hmm. Um, are there others that you have? If not, I have a, a team full. Right. I can introduce you to them. Um, it will be great for me to to bring them along, you know, um, or asking them about their diversity numbers, you know, all of that stuff. Just really advocating for what you know is right and, and not backing down from that. For sure. Well, uh, we could talk all day, honestly. This is great. Uh- <laughs> So, but this is Be Scientist, um, and at the end of every interview, we ask our guests to tell us, how do you encourage others to be scientists? Ooh, Mm -hmm. that's a good one. (laughs) Um, How do you encourage others to be scientists? Well, okay, so I always get the question of how do I get my kids to want to be involved in STEM? Right. And my response to parents is always like, first, you have to let them know that they are STEM. They are STEM themselves. Biology, like how the body works and like that science. You talk about these DIY hair concoctions, that chemistry, like, (laughs) you know, all of these different things that we're doing. Mathematics and algebra, that's basketball, like, you know, stats and stuff like that you you keep stats on baseball players and basketball players that's data science right you all of these things you know we're already embedded within our daily lives it is stem everything that you're interacting with when you driving when you're putting gas in your car when you're eating when you're cooking all of these things we are engaging with stem every single day and so we just have to start to open up our eyes to you know and take off the lens and blinders that STEM is not something that is unattainable. It is who we are inherently. Our ancestors, our the people now, like we are STEM and we continue to be. We continue to push forward the innovation, push forward the envelope on what that looks like. 
And so just realizing that we use it every single day um, and getting people to um, be aware of that, I think that's how you can be better scientists, right? Start to break down the things that you do in, I would say, layman's terms, right? Um, so that you can um, introduce that to, to folks. Like we talk about H2O, we talk about water, we talk about carbon, we talk about like all of these different things, but um, we make it so like far-fetched, like, oh, it's just this thing that like you have to be smart to understand that. No, not really. Um, most times, right, when you got people that's dealing drugs and they cutting up and doing all that type of stuff, they're doing, they're chemists. Okay, you got a street pharmacist or a street chemist or whatever. And so we figure out different things. Gumbo, right? We put all the things together, seasonings and different flavors and boil it to this temperature and you know, uh, cook it in a cast iron skillet. It's going to taste different, right? You know, um, so really just understanding how we live and um, um, relating that to uh, the things we do every day. Uh, that's how we can be better chemists. Or better chemists, better scientists. <laughs> no, you can say chemists is fine. <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, I didn't want to be biased or anything. You know? <laughs> Another way that we can be good scientists is, or better scientists, is by going to diversity and space tech and taking that survey. Right. And the <laughs> great plug. <laughs> that is another great, great way, way to, to be do scientists. that. <laughs> diversity in space tech. Tell me about the barriers. <laughs> you will be an amazing scientist after that. Exactly. Jenna, do you have anything else? I don't think so. Uh, I guess just if anyone wants to uh, find you and get in contact with you, do a consultation, um, where can they find you? Um, I can be found on all platforms at Jenea Griffin. Uh, that's J-A-N-E-Y-A Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. Um, I have a website, JeneaGriffin.com. Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Clubhouse. So I don't do Clubhouse as much anymore, but I'm on all of the platforms, the YouTubes and not on TikTok. I do have a thing, but I haven't figured out how to use that yet. I'm, Me neither. I'm it's, not that it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Um, but yeah. Um, and then if you want to connect with me directly through email, connect at JeneaGriffin.com. Very easy. Um, but yeah, I'm very responsive on all social media platforms. And please reach out to me. And I would love to see everybody at our event on Friday. I will be sharing that link soon um, and sending out the flyer. And I'm sure you guys will have the flyer to send out as well. So yeah. Well, thanks. This was this was amazing. Again, stars are stepping stones, and don't forget to be scientists. <laughs> we'll catch you guys next time. Be Scientists is a podcast by the Black Science Coalition and Institute, or BSI, a five hundred one c three nonprofit. Be Scientists is hosted by both Jenna Carpenter, chemist, and BSI's research and development officer, and Jordan Chapman, geoarchaeologist, and BSI's president. Music is produced by Delarallo, and lyrics are by Ed Yama. Special thanks to Michael, Mike, Cast, and Marshall, and the Plaza Abbey Studios. If you'd like to donate to B-Sci, visit our official website, bsci.org. That's b-sci.org. Your donation supports the B-Scientist and B-Sci's other projects. We couldn't do it without you. So, please tune in next time, and always, be scientists. <laughs>